Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Shifted Radio. Today we have a really special guest. His name is David Manning. David is the assistant athletic director, the head hockey and soccer coach, and he's also a teacher of social studies and computer science at St. Andrews College, which is an independent school founded in 1899, located in Aurora, Ontario. It's a university prep school for boys in grades 5 to 12, with a focus on academic achievement, athletics, and leadership. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, David, how are you doing today? Not bad. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thank you. How are things? Uh, good. Just, uh, you know... Realizing that the winter's almost over, the uh, snow has all disappeared, and uh, the temperature is above zero. So I, I'm sure you're not uh, as affected by uh, the cold temperatures as we are here in Canada. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a shock to the system that it's this warm out right now. That's awesome. I mean, the uh, the spring season is around the corner, uh, and it's probably a lot of uh, fun times for the students at school, and probably even more for the faculty and staff. I'm assuming. Yeah, I think spring fever uh, runs amok in any school, and uh, I don't think it's uh, just uh, contained to the students. Teachers definitely, uh, you know, see the spring as uh, a couple more months closer to the summer and, uh, you know, eight or ten weeks uh, to enjoy themselves. Absolutely. So we gave the listeners a little bit about you, uh, basically in Cole's notes uh, form, Um, but why don't you give us a little more info uh, about you and and who you are, where you came from, and where you are at now. Yeah, well, um, you know, grew up. I'm from Newfoundland uh, on the east coast of Canada originally, um, and I grew up and played you know a ton of sports and and uh, uh, as a kid. And and obviously, hockey is something that uh, most Canadians tend to gravitate towards. So uh, I was lucky enough to to play in a good uh, club team there and and had some good coaching and and was able to progressed to a point that an opportunity to leave Newfoundland, which is the case as an island, uh, you know, at some point you're going to have to go somewhere to pursue uh, your goals and aspirations. And, and uh, so I headed to the U.S. to, to go to a, a school much like I'm at now uh, in New Hampshire and, and uh, played three years there, uh, played soccer, hockey, and lacrosse actually at the school. And, and so the opportunity to, to go to U.S. college came up after that, the Division three level, a place called Colby College in Maine. And, um, and so, you know, I originally went there to, to be a hockey player and, and uh, decided that I didn't want to give up playing soccer. So I played soccer and hockey at the school uh, for four years. And, um, you know, that was busy, but uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, worthwhile and something that I fondly uh, reflect on. I'm glad I, I was able to do both. You know, there was only a handful of us in the school who were multi-sport athletes at that level. And, and uh, so I take a lot of pride in, in the, the fact that I was able to do that. So um, after, after finishing that up, I went to Europe for a, a a cultural hockey experience for a year after I was uh, graduated. And, and uh, that was really probably my first foray into, into hockey coaching. I'd coached soccer uh, ever since I was, uh, you know, 16, 15, 16, coaching little kids. And uh, I went to Serbia in Eastern Europe and, and uh, uh, I had a chance to coach the U14 and U12 teams at the club that I was playing for. And, and, uh, and uh, that was really my first opportunity to, uh, to coach ice hockey and, uh, and obviously enjoyed it. I mean, it's a sport that I grew up playing and, and uh, came back to Newfoundland after that year and, and did my teaching degree uh, after finishing a bachelor's degree in history. And, and 
you know, uh, taught in Newfoundland for two or three years, and then the opportunity to come to St. Andrews, where I'm at now in Ontario, I uh, came up through a former teammate of mine, and I've been here for 11 years, and uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride, and kind of every all the experiences I've had along the way have kind of added into uh, I think the the teacher and coach and and uh, uh, hopefully mentor for the kids uh, I have today. So. Absolutely, and and now you know we. We touched a little bit about the school that you're at now, but uh, can you describe what St. Andrews College is and, and like how it's run? Yeah, St. Andrews is a very traditional uh, boarding and day school. Uh, we're located about 45 minutes north of Toronto. Um, you know, if, if, if anyone's of your listeners are familiar with Young Street in, in Ontario or in Toronto, mm-hmm. downtown Toronto, um, we're actually on Young Street about, you know, uh, you know, like an hour, I said, uh, north of the city. So uh, in, a, in a town called Aurora, um, small town of about 50,000 people, you know, directly north. Um, so the school's been uh, in operation for 119 years. Um, we're an all-boys school. Um, we go grade 5 through 12. Um, so we have a four-year lower school and a four-year upper school. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, an institution, obviously, that's there to help prepare our kids for, you know, what comes after high school. And for most kids, uh, that go, for, well, for all kids that go to our school, they have aspirations of going to university and the best university they can to set themselves up for a professional life and whatever career they choose. And, and, uh, and so part of that experience here is trying to make our students well-rounded. And, and uh, so athletics is a big part of the equation here. The arts are a big part of the equation uh, and any other kind of experiences outside of traditional classroom are all very big pieces of the experience at St. Andrews College and much like, you know, other boarding schools and, and uh, in, in globally, not just in Canada, but in, in the U S and around the world. So um, it's, um, you know, traditional in a sense, but we're very progressive. You know, technology is a big part of the way we teach and the way we interact with our students. And, uh, um, and I think that, you know, staying current and staying kind of ahead of the curve educationally is, you know, we're aiming to hopefully, uh, prepare our students uh, for what they're going to see in university and hopefully for the, for the job market after that. So, um, and then, you know, sport wise, I mean, we have 71 teams across 26 different sports uh, from the age groups of U12 right up to our varsity programs. And, and, uh, and hockey is obviously uh, why we're chatting today. And it's one of those sports that obviously in Canada, it's um, uh, hockey is important. I mean, that's our national game and, and the school, um, you know, takes pride in what we are able to offer as a hockey program. So we have teams from U12 right up to our varsity team, as I said. And, and uh, um, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that um, we, we want to make sure we're doing uh, a good job of providing uh, good hockey opportunities for our students. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I see here that the school's mission statement is dedicating ourselves to the development of the complete man, the well-rounded citizen. And I think that you know, they probably got, uh, you know, the perfect person uh, in you to, to be at that school. And, you know, I don't know too many of the other staff there, but I'm sure a lot, a lot of them are uh, well-rounded in that respect as well. Is that sort of a criteria for the, the staff there? Or, like, how does that uh, how does that work? Because, you know, when you go to these, these types of schools and, and when parents are thinking about sending their kids to these types of schools, the, the people that they're going to be interacting with on a day-to-day basis, they matter. And, you know, I've met you plenty of times now and I know what kind of person you are. And I know that you know, the kids that you're teaching and coaching are getting a lot of value from, from you and, and your experiences. But what, what's that like? The, uh, 
the role of the of the teacher and like what's the criteria in, in becoming one of the, the professors or, or teachers there? Yeah, I think um, we wear a lot of different hats at the school. Um, you know, I coach two sports um, and still enjoy doing both. Uh, they offer some different challenges and, and different sets of kids. And, you know, the hockey team, for instance, is, you know, mostly Canadians. And uh, whereas our soccer team, we're a global school. We have kids from 29 different countries and all over Canada. And so soccer tends to be, you know, a little bit more uh, multicultural in terms of, you know, we have kids from Mexico, we'll have kids from Asia, we'll have kids from Canada, obviously. And this year we had a kid from Germany. So it, it offers a little bit of a different experience in, in that. So, But I think as, as a teaching staff and as a support staff at the school, um, the ability to be adaptable and, and uh, wear different hats is important. I mean, we're in the classroom. You know, that's a big chunk of the day. We're on the playing fields or on the ice uh, after classes. And then, you know, we're interacting with the kids at dinner or through clubs or through the arts or, you know, we're in the residence in, in, in the evenings doing duty. So having the ability to kind of do different things is important. And we expect that of our students. And as you said, our mission statement, you know, explicitly states that um, I think it's it's part of being a successful staff member here is being able to be adaptable and do some different things. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge. We get a lot of interest is a, is a great place to work, but it's also a very demanding place at the same time on, on your time and on your, uh, your family and all of those good things. But I think at the end, the, the benefits far outweigh the, 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 the potential uh, negative. So, yeah, I think it, it, for us to find uh, the staff members we need to, to kind of make this place move, you know, uh, having experience, all of our staff members teach, uh, as I said, but they also coach two seasons of sport. So, you know, some have really good expertise in a couple of different sports. Some don't have any expertise in, in, in any sport, but they're there in a support role to make sure that the people do have, you know, the experience and the expertise are able to, uh, to do their job the best of their ability. So, um, yeah, I would say the two, the two uh, factors, obviously, you know, knowledge and, and, uh, and, um, you know, being competent in your subject areas is essential for sure. But I think on top of that, being adaptable and, and being able to, 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 to do multiple things is, is highly sought after. And it's becoming more and more of a challenge. I think some of the factors you see, we, you know, I'm sure we may touch on this and uh, today is that, you know, you see kids who are you know, only playing one sport and they're focused so much on the things that they do well and not kind of doing different things. Um, you know, those people become adults and those people you know, get into the working world. So as a school, it's be, it, we're getting much more people who are specialists as opposed to some generalists who are able to do a bunch of things really well, as opposed to doing one thing extremely well. So, yeah, I guess that's a really interesting point. What, what do you think uh, is more valuable, like coming out of a school like that? Because, you, you know, the, the kids that are coming to your school, they're leaving in grade 12, which puts them at what, 18 years old. So yep. they're going into university and the, most of them, I mean, probably all of them are going to university from your school uh, or they're going to pursue, you know, collegiate careers uh, somewhere in, you know, with with a sport. Um, what do you think is uh, is a better mentality for them to have? Or do you kind of feel like, you know, they're, either one is effective if used correctly? Yeah, I think it's hard to say. I think every I think from my experience as a teacher and as a coach, uh, I always try my best not to put kids in boxes and, mm -hmm. and pigeonhole them. And, and uh, you know, I think a, a term that's definitely overused in hockey is the, is the term role, role. And, you know, I get that from families and kids sometimes, you know, what's my role? And, and so, you know, I, I don't want to like, I think when you, when you apply roles to kids, 
Um, and much like if you put them in a box and say, you know, you're good at science or you're good at this, I think you limit their potential and, and you're, you're telling them that, you know, this is the things that you have to do and, and that's it. And so I think that for kids, I think finding what's right for each individual is important um, and being okay to kind of venture outside the things that you do well and then figuring out, you know, what are my weaknesses and how can I improve them? So I think the hard part is, is understanding too the, the, the final destination, which is a challenge. Most, most kids when they're 15, 16, 17, you know, probably have some idea of where they want to go, but you know, is that realistic? Is that the way things are going to pan out? We've all gone through that ourselves. And, and, uh, but you know, universities are becoming more and more selective. Uh, you know, kids are having to choose a, a, an academic path in grade 10 for what they're going to experience in, in, uh, in university. And it's very similar to the athletic side of things, right? If, if kids aren't, you know, ultra, unless they're spectacular athletes and it comes to them naturally, you know, but I would say that's, you know, a small percentage of the population, everyone else, if, if you're not, you know, uh, ready to focus in on, um, you know, what the sport may or may be at uh, 13, 14, 15. In some instances, families are choosing to do it way too early in, you know, seven, eight, nine uh, range that, uh, you know, you're going to, you're, you're, you run the risk of not giving yourself the opportunity to get where you want. Do I believe that that's the case? No, I think that, you know, the longer term approach and the processes is much more important than trying to win a race. You know, for me, I always say to our kids, like when they're making decisions about their hockey futures that, you know, it's, it's ultimately more important where you are when you're 23, 24 than where you are when you're 16. And, uh, you know, so how are you going to be able to set yourself up for success at 23, 24, as opposed to 16, 17? Because, um, you know, are they related? For sure. But uh, I think that, you know, having a longer term idea of what that looks like. But that's becoming increasingly difficult, I think, even for the kids educationally. Like, you know, I, I went to a liberal arts school in the U.S. and, and uh and that's basically, you know, an arts degree where you kind of are forced to, to, to take courses in a number of different areas. You have a focus area, which mine was history. Um, but I came out of university with a bunch of different skills uh, that, you know, I'm going to need, uh, you know, for whatever job I may do. And then, you know, I think it's an, assumed that, you know, you're going to either go into that field that you have interest in or you're going to do a, a supplementary or another degree to kind of have a bit more of a specialized knowledge in whatever you're going to do. So I decided that teaching was for me. I, I thought about some other careers, but I think for me personally, the, 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 the liberal arts education was good. And, and I think that's kind of mirrors what athletically where I, you know, I still played, you know, uh, I played basketball. I'm not a tall guy and it wasn't a very good <laughs> basketball, very good basketball player. But I mean, I played, you know, on my school team until I was in grade nine, I played volleyball until I was in grade nine. Um, you know, I, I picked up lacrosse when I went to the U.S., as I said. So, um, you know, being able to do those things, I think, was important for me. Uh, and it made me a better hockey, a better soccer player. So, you know, at our school, all of my hockey players play another sport. Uh, some do it really well and others do it uh, not as well. But I think it's more about just being out there and being active and, and forcing your body and your brain to kind of adapt and, and uh, feel uncomfortable. Because from that feeling of uncomfortable will, will be the breakthroughs that you're going to have uh, eventually, whether it's, you know, cognitively or, or physically. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I agree with that for sure, because growing up, I was, you know, I played hockey and then soccer in the summertime. And, and, you know, you, I played just all sports just in general, you know, whether it was in high school or, uh, you know, just in my own free time. But I think that's so important because one, like you're getting different experiences, you're, you're learning new skills, you're meeting different people, you're learning how to work in, in unison, you know, with uh, your teammates in different areas. But 
also like what, what I think back to now is that I was creating, you know, my own creativity. I was, I was cultivating it basically. So what I mean by that is, you know, when you go, when you play hockey, you learn a specific skill set, And then when you go and you, you go to play soccer or a different sport, you have to learn how to approach that. And you have to learn how you, you know, you're going to get around the defender in an arena that you're not really totally comfortable with. So you have to learn how to think creatively. And then, you know, when you use those skills correctly, you can bring them back to, you know, what your main focus is. And, and hockey was my, you know, my main focus uh, when I, when I was like 16, 17, I started to really focus in on hockey, but, but the, the skills I picked up from understanding the other sports, uh, it really helped me in hockey because then I was able to understand where my teammates were spatially uh, in relation to me. I understood um, how that you can try to beat someone else 1v1. And that's both offensively and defensively because, you know, when you go in a 1v1 scenario, there's always going to be a, a often offensive guy and a defensive guy. So you have to be able to put the, the, the offensive guy in an uncomfortable position. And then you have to know when you're uh, on the offense that you can dictate the play and, and you can uh, gain that advantage, you know, by you know, making the first move or something like that. But it's really interesting to hear you say that because I find that to be such a valuable resource. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. I mean, I know from my own, like I said, from my own personal experience and I think even into my coaching, I think, you know, and, and I say this, I mean, I think in, in North America, uh, hockey coaching is, I would say far behind in terms of uh, trying to acknowledging that um, I think, you know, we're focused in on, you know, how, you know, how we want the kids, where we want them to be, how we want them to go to those places and, and more, you know, driven towards creating how it looks in our head and then forcing the kids to play it that way, as opposed to kind of letting them find ways to create space and control space and, and understand, uh, you know, that they're kind of, they're the makers of the game and they, they can think it and problem solve and things like that. So my experience as a soccer coach um, and, and in terms of, you know, learning and, and, growing as a soccer coach has, has inevitably turned my hockey coaching into something very different and, and changed the way that uh, I approach the game and the way we try and help our players approach the game. So I agree with you. I think that other sports, like that's one of the things I try and take from, you know, myself as a, as a, as a learner and as a coach is that, you know, I can learn from, you know, rugby, for instance, is a very progressive uh, sport in terms of the way they're teaching their players and the way they use technology and, and all of the different things. And, and, and I think that you know, I learned a ton from rugby coaches to, that I could apply to my hockey coaching and to my soccer coaching and vice versa. And I think that, uh, you know, as a coach, I think it's, in, in, it's important to be able to do that. So you're right. There's, I think that, you know, the, 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 the debate of multi-sport and single sport and, and all those different things and 10,000 hours and all the other buzzwords that kind of get thrown out is think, I think there's not as, enough acknowledgement that, you know, if you want to be a good hockey player, like there's so many things that go into doing that, that, you know, playing soccer for four hours a week during the summer actually is part of the 10,000 hours that are needed. Mm -hmm. and, and if 10,000 is the number, I mean, for instance, some people can master things in 3,000 hours and some have to take 25,000 hours and they're still never going to get there. So, you know, I think that was kind of a, a, a bit of a watermark, but the, that four hours of soccer during a week in the summer months actually is part of those hours to help you become a better hockey player because, you know, 
you know, shielding the ball in soccer is a, hot, is a whole lot like shielding the ball or shielding a defender to keep a puck on your stick in hockey. Uh, you know, passing into space is much the same as it is in hockey as it is in soccer. And so they're very similar games. Obviously, there's there's no boards in the soccer field and you're playing with 11 guys and all those different things. But, you know, to think that they don't complement each other uh, is is uh, is absurd. And it's for the same reason that, you know, being in the weight room and, and working out, if you were to, you know, use the argument of 10,000 hours playing hockey, then you would think that, you know, doing a workout off the ice or off the field doesn't contribute to that time. And that's just uh, makes no sense to me. So they're all, all of it kind of comes together to make the person, the athlete and whatever an athlete can do, um, you know, whatever sport they end up choosing, uh, it depends on, you know, what they gravitate towards. But, you know, I think mastering general athleticism and, and the ability to think as an athlete is probably the most important thing. That's what I try and get through to my players, uh, even before being hockey players. It's about you know solving the problems out there, and then you know uh, how can we do that in a hockey specific way? Absolutely, and it, it to me it comes down to the person, right? Like the whether it's a twelve year old kid or a you know a thirty two year old man, like it, uh, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's it's all relative to the person and what they. Uh, are liking to do like what they gravitate towards and then you know when, when they find what they like so if you have a 16 year old kid who finds that he really likes you know being athletic in a hockey arena then he's going to gravitate towards doing more of that you know on his own and I think that you know the way hockey in particular is becoming uh, it's very much becoming really demanding early on in their lives right like I, I think you know when I look at uh, hockey careers now, I, f- I feel like the, the hockey career is almost set up to be, you know, the way it's it's being portrayed, like in, in you know, being from the GTA and, uh, you know, from there, like, I think it's being portrayed as, uh, you know, the, the hockey career is like from seven to 20 years old now, uh, whereas like it, instead of going to pro, like I think a lot of these kids, they're being or, or they're, they're being pushed or, you know, they're, they're doing a lot really, really soon, like very, very focused in on one particular sport and they're not growing their creativity. And then they end up burning out by 16, 17 years old. And when they were, you know, ahead of the, the group when they were younger, now they're being surpassed because they, maybe they you know, have burnt out mentally or, or physically. And, you know, they, they just don't have it to, to last. And, you know, it's a shame because there's a lot of good hockey players and there's a lot of good opportunity that they could have had. And, you know, that just comes down to the mindset and then, you know, people putting them in the correct positions for them to succeed, you know, knowing your players, knowing the personnel that you're working with. I, I think it's just so important. It's always about the people. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that, you know, um, the professionalism of youth sport uh, is being pushed down, you know, earlier and earlier. And I think that, uh, you know, it's hard. I think the, 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 the reason why it's happening, there's two reasons if, if you ask me. One is that I think there's money to be made. This is a business. And I think there's money to be made from people who, you know, create environments that are, are, you know, seen to be as advantageous. I think the other thing is that it actually does come from a good place. Like, I think a lot of coaches are trying to create a really awesome experience for the kids. And, and, um, and I wouldn't fault anyone for, you know, I always say to my players, like, you know, when you're here for three hours, we want you to be uh, as a hockey player for three hours. We're, you know, doing a workout, we're on the ice, we're doing video, whatever we may be doing for those three hours, let's concentrate on that. And, and, you know, the other hours of the day, whatever you're doing, let's make sure you concentrate on those things. And I think that 
coaches in minor hockey are trying to create an environment that's really rich for these kids. And I think to a fault, to be, to be fair, because they're removing some of the inherent, some of the, the, the real major lessons for 99.9% of the kids. It's, you know, the friendships and, and the enjoyment and, you know, the, the lessons about, you know, being dedicated and working hard. And, and, and I think that, uh, unfortunately gets misplaced that like, it's more important that a kid shows up with a shirt and tie on as opposed to like, you know, I, like I, for me, I get the idea of, you know, of, of treating it like, you know, that, but is it really necessary for a kid in Bantam peewee Adam to show up with a shirt and tie on to the rink? Like, you know, I, I, I get it. Like I do get on one hand, you know, the, the, the sentiment, but I think it, it's sending a message that this is a job. Like this is not a job, yeah. you know? And, and, and I think, again, it's coming from a good place. They're trying to make the kids act and, and look professional and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that, um, you know, if a kid shows up and he's neat and tidy, like, is, is that okay? He shows up in sweatpants. Is, like, is that going to take away from his kid experience? So I think there's a, there's a line there that I think unfortunately gets crossed over a ton and more and more and more, more so because as I said, that professionalism is getting pushed down to where, you know, kids are losing out. It's become about, rather than like for me when i reflect on the season and reflect even on an individual daily basis like did the kids enjoy themselves that's the number one question i ask and and after that i think the word that the buzzword we talk a little bit about buzzwords you know development and for me that's a really tricky word like if i locked a kid in the rink by himself and he skated on his own for five years you know he's gonna develop like he's gonna get better at the game because he's playing and he's probably doing because he enjoys it or he's gonna stop playing because he doesn't enjoy it because he's by himself so for me, like, that's more of an organic process. Like, I, I don't want to take credit for what my players do. Like, I want to create an environment, but at the end of the day, they're, they're going to have to either put the work ethic in. They're either going to have to get lucky. They're going to have to have some type of external factors that are going to either motivate them or not motivate them. And, but at the end of the day, they're going to do it, just like you did or I did. And we all find our limit to some extent. Um, and then, obviously, as the higher you go up the ladder in, in sport, um, there's so many factors that go into being successful that, you know, and the majority of them are out of your control. And uh, so I, I just find that, you know, the professionalism that's been pushed lower is taking away a key element of, of playing sport. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, kids will reflect on their experience when they get older and, you know, was it as fun as it could have been or should have been? Absolutely. I think some of the most important lessons that I learned in, in minor hockey, I think back to, uh, you know, something like, you know, the best lesson I ever learned in, in minor hockey was, you know, I think it was eight, eight or nine years old. I think it was eight years old. Uh, no, nine. Sorry. Yeah. The, uh, you know, one of my teammates was pinned down in, in front of me uh, by one of the, the opponents and it was at the offensive blue line and he had the puck underneath him and the, the the guy on the other team was just like hitting him and like cross checking him and like really taking liberties liberties with him and I was kind of standing there and I was just kind of waiting for the puck and I was just like hey you know when's the puck gonna come out and I just you know I heard like my coach yelling like hey don't just stand there like get in there like help him out and and I in that moment like literally my whole mindset shifted to I gotta care about this guy because he's on my team so like I got in yep. there and I like pushed the guy off and. You know, we, we ended up, I don't know what ended up happening, but it, regardless, it doesn't matter. That, that skill that I learned in that split second was I have to care about my teammates because these guys mean something to me, right? And, and that was the, the single best lesson I learned in my whole minor hockey experience was 
care about your teammates because you're, you, you know, this is how good things happen. And, and that moment that, that was such a, a, a crucial part of my development. And, you know, you talked about development and I think development happens whether you're getting better at the sport or whether you're, you're not wanting to play a sport anymore because you're learning about yourself. It's always about personal development and whether you want to be an athlete or not, it's, it's up to you. Um, I think people get lost in thinking that, you know, some people, you know, they make it because they just surely got lucky. Well, no, I mean, they just decided a long time ago that they were going to do something and then they went out and they put in that work, the actual work, like the, the uncomfortable work sometimes, but then the purely joyous work in other times that it really takes to make it. And, I, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of the guys, a lot of students that have come through your program and, you know, been taught or coached by you. Now you see them moving on to bigger and, you know, better places. I mean, I, I don't know if it's be actually better than, you know, the program you guys have, but, you know, like getting into the professional careers and, and really making a difference in, in whatever they're doing, especially, you know, we're talking about hockey here, but it's probably, you know, rewarding to see that, but it's also probably, you, you, you could probably see in the kid's eyes when you look at them, like this kid kind of has it, he wants it. Is that a fair assessment? Oh yeah, for sure. I think that, I think that's the, always the, the, the major ingredient. I think that if, if they don't want it, um, you can only like I can only the external factors can only do so much, and I think at some point the kid has to be uh, willing to do whatever is needed to uh, to get to get you know to the level that they want to get to and and uh, yeah I think that my my experience and my uh, you know pride you know watching those kids is that I guess you know having some ability to be able to stoke that fire in it to some degree. And I, I do, I strongly believe that, you know, again, it comes down to, to in, mostly internal factors, but um, you know, I think there is some external motivation that needs to happen to the, to where the light bulb kind of goes off and, and you're right for some kids, you just kind of see, it and you're like, that kid's going to do it. And, and others, you, you know, like you can kind of see that this kid's talented, but I don't know if he has the, the uh, you know, the intangible things, uh, that are necessary to be able to get over the hump. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a combination, but I, I really firmly believe that the, the internal is it outweighs the external when it comes to the individual success. For sure. And the internal definitely, you know, comes from within and it's, you know, a feeling that you get or, you know, something that reminds you of like something that you care about and it's got to come from within you and like the motivation, the external is something that you know they like you said you can provide that for someone right like you can you can motivate them like I, I think you could be motivated by positivity or you can be motivated by negativity towards you because you know if you if you let the haters kind of get at you then you know you, you might crumble but if you use that and say you know what no i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna show them you know i think that that mindset can work as well right but it it ultimately comes down to to your inspiration, like what's coming from inside of you and, and being able to stick with it. You know, like it's easy to, you know, say I'm going to make it and prove the person wrong. But then, you know, what happens in two weeks on a Tuesday afternoon when you guys have practice and, you know, you, you're kind of tired and you don't want to put that work in. Well, what, what's going to be putting on that light bulb that day? And it's got to come from, you know, that, willingness to want to do it because you love the process and you're so hungry to achieve. Um, 
know, that's yeah. that's one thing I'm really big on. Yeah, and I think that that's the art. The art of coaching is is understanding what that looks like for every kid. And I think you know, falling into the trap of doing it where every kid is the same, and this is the structure, and everyone has to kind of fit inside. And that's kind of part of what I said earlier about putting kids into a box and why I don't, I dislike the word role and, and uh, is, is because, you know, every kid is unique and, and uh, obviously there's a, there's a core set of things that any coach needs to hold dear, but I think there's definitely a gray area in terms of how you deal with kids in terms of, I mean, you can be, you can be firmer with some kids than others and, and some are more fragile and some are more mentally tougher. And, and, you know, for anyone to say that they treat every kid exactly the same, I think that first off, I don't think that, you're going to have success in, in keeping the group happy or getting the most out of the group. I just think that's, that's unrealistic to think that you can treat every kid exactly the same. I think you have to have, as I said, those, that core set of, of beliefs, but every kid requires something a little bit different. And, and uh, by having that approach, I think you'll end up getting more out of more of them is, is basically, because there's going to be some that you're not going to be able to get to uh, and reach as well as you want. Um, but I think, you know, using that approach, I think you're going to get more out of the, the a larger number of the group. I think that comes down to just good coaching. I really do. I think that a good coach honestly understands that he has to coach, you know, the 25 players or however many players are on the team. Um, you have to coach, you know, different differently for each kid. And I'm not talking about like, you know, fundamental things or like, you know, even, even tactics, you're not talking about tactics here. You're talking about like how you're going to go towards your video session or how you're going to go towards, you know, a conversation you have with this player or how you're going to go towards explaining, you know, this is why you're on the first line or this is why you're on the second defense pair, or this is why you're not playing uh, today as a goalie, right? Like it, it yeah, exactly. Exactly. How do you, how do you just kind of interact and deal? Like some kids, you know, you can say something to them in front of the group. Other kids, mm-hmm. you know, you can't say certain things to them in front of the group and, and uh, because they'll just crumble. Whereas other kids would be like, they'll take the approach, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, and so, you know, there's obviously certain non-negotiables. Like if practice starts at 4 o'clock, you know, practice starts at 4 o'clock and everyone gets treated the same. If they're late for the start of the practice or they're late for a bus or, you know, or late for a meeting, whatever it may be, that those are non-negotiable things that are just expectations. And, and yeah. Um, I think with other things, right. Like, you know, sometimes you have an offensive player that, you know, you're, you wouldn't enable to kind of be a bit more creative because, you know, he, he, he can push up against that line of creativity and risk. Whereas other players don't necessarily have the same ability to do that. And they've got to think about the game a little bit more simply. So um, I think, you know, those are, those are areas where, you know, uh, I think there's a core set of, expectations hockey wise or demeanor wise or how they handle themselves that are important. But then there's a gray area that kind of surrounds that, that is unique to every kid. So I think that that's been my experience. And that's for me, that's, that's the constant challenge as a coach is trying to master that. I think you're spot on when you talk about not putting kids in particular roles um, as the coach and not boxing them in. But I, I think the, uh, it's, it's definitely – it's largely upon the player himself or herself to understand what their role is in the team dynamic. I think that that makes the team better. But if the player can understand what he does best or what she does best and they can do that consistently, 
on a you know on a nightly basis or however often the games are and and you know get that in practice and then bring it to the games i think that that's how they can make a career for themselves definitely past, past your you know your program and then college program you yeah know, and that, they carve out their niche right yeah and that, that's my point like at higher levels that's a, that's a reality like you have to that's a reality of playing at a really high level is that there's going to be guys who are expected to score. There's going to be guys who are expected to be disruptors. There's going to be guys who, as defensemen, who are you know, concentrating on making sure that the top players on the other team don't get opportunities. There's going to be defensemen who are expected to jump into the rush and you know, create lots of four-man opportunities and things like that. So, yeah, at the higher levels, that's, that's expected. I just don't – I try not to do that at my level because I don't want to have a kid who – you know, is quote unquote a, a grinder or a disruptor or whatever you want to call, you know, that type of player. You know, I don't want to say to that kid, hey, you know, you shouldn't drive, so you should chip it deep and, you know, chase after it as opposed to trying to get, you know, to the front of the net and create a scoring opportunity. If that kid feels like all he can do is chip it deep and go after it, then I'm, I'm limiting him in a certain way. I don't think it's my job to deal with 15, 16, 17 year olds to limit them. I think it's my job to make them as well-rounded as a player as possible. And then as they climb up the ladder to the, la- the level next, um, you know, that's the necessity of, you know, of professional and high, high-end sport is that, you know, the margins of success are so thin that, and people's jobs depend on, you know, winning and losing. So they're going to pick, they're going to pick the resources that they have that are going to get them, you know, success and success for them is winning games and, and keeping their job. And so if they have a kid who, who can't score generally, then his job is going to be to make sure that, you know, the people that they're playing against don't score. So how do you do that? Well, you keep the puck as far away from your net as you possibly can. Like that's, you know, that's, it's pretty simple when it comes down to whereas, you know, they've got players who can score and make skill plays and they're going to get a little bit longer of a leash to, to, to be able to do that stuff. So I just, yeah, for like, like I said, for, that the age group that I have, I, I feel like putting kids in a box. But you're 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 completely right that you know at the professional level, people can have a long career, um, you know, carving a niche out for themselves. And and you know, anecdotally, you know, a good friend of mine passed away this past week after a battle with cancer. A guy by the name of Greg Smith, uh, affectionately known as Bird Dog, uh, in the hockey world. You know, played in the NHL for uh, almost 300 games uh, in the late 80s and 90s. And and uh, you know, he did the dirty work. He fought every heavyweight you know and uh uh you know name all the big ones from that era and, and he fought every single one of them and 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 earned a really good living doing that and, and and you know that was his niche right in junior he was probably a bit of a different guy and and coming up through he but he had to he had to make a career for himself and he did that and then so some people may not respect the fact that that's part of hockey but at the end of the day um that's what he had to do and he did it so um you know i so i agree with 100 percent when you get into the higher levels you got to do what it takes to survive, and uh, and that's the same in any job. Like that's not yes. just hockey. That's not just hockey. That's you know, if you're a finance guy on uh, Wall Street or Bay Street here in Ontario, um, you know, you, you might need to be the guy who does the grunt work for the for the star in your firm. Like, and that's what you do, right? You make that guy look good, and that guy's going to take care of you. Um, and not everybody can be the star wherever they are. So some people have to find their role and find their their niche when they get to that point when they're. Uh, at a really high level. I just think doing it too young uh, limits people for whatever, you know, potential that they may have. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point that you made about the, your, your friend, um, my condolences to you. And, uh, but to the, uh, the way that 
people can carve out their niche, you know, it's different to each and every individual. And, you know, there's, there's a place for everybody. Like everybody has a role to play, not in just sport. I'm talking about life in general. Like there's, everyone is so valuable. I mean, the people who collect, you know, the recycling bins or the, the companies that come and, you know, install water filtration systems. Like it's just anything and everything. Like everyone is valuable. So the skills that we're, we're cultivating when we're playing sports are, you know, we're, we're just building certain type of skills. And, you know, since we're talking about sports and it's our niche, uh, you know, and that's how we connect here. Um, what, once you find your identity, like as a person, I'm talking like your core principles as a person, you can start to understand what it is you like to do. And you can start to understand, you know, that what part of the game that you are best at. And, you know, when you go, when you make that switch, you know, maybe it might come while they're part of your program at that age level or, you know, when they leave your program, whenever that point is, when they make that connection that, okay, I'm really good at this, I'm going to go all in on this and I'm going to make, you know, this skill as high, as close to 10 as I possibly can. And then my other skills, I'm going to get them, you know, at least to average. And then when you get, when you do that kind of stuff, you can have a long and you know lasting and impactful career on you know in your sport, and then it'll help you as you you know transition out of the sport and into something new. Because as you know, athletics can you know they don't last forever, and you know I, I wish they did, but you know that's just unless a, you're unless you're uh, Yammer Jagger, <laughs> unless you're Jagger or Chelios, who I actually played with when he was forty nine. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. They're they're just anomalies, right? But. So um, I wanted to touch on a little bit of what you guys got to, what you guys have going on at your school that you think kind of differentiates your program from other programs, either in Canada uh, or in the U.S. Because I know you guys play against U.S. teams yep. and or or worldwide. Yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, you don't have to get into specifics if you don't uh, if you don't want to. I mean, I know that other people might be listening and they might get some tactics, but just some you know things that might separate you guys from you know other programs yeah i think that it's a lot of it ties into what we've been talking about i think that uh we've tried to create an environment here and inherently the school is that environment but uh we use hockey as that vessel but that the kids can explore many different avenues while not sacrificing being really good at any of them so you know uh, as i said when a kid comes to the rink we want to completely focused on being a hockey player for that three or four hours um, you know, when he's in the classroom, he needs to be focused completely on being a, a hockey player, uh, sorry, a, a student. Um, you know, when he's playing his other sport, like he, he needs to be focused on those things. He happens to play an instrument. So I think giving the kids the mentality that it's it's okay to be, I think sometimes in the sporting world and, and you know, specifically in the hockey world, when it comes to, uh, you know, here in Canada, that kids get told that if you want to be a, a, an athlete, then, that's what you have to do 24 seven. And, and, and for some kids that probably may be the right way to go about it. Uh, I just think, as I said, the margins are so slim to be a pro that, you know, we're, we're trying to build life skills here at the same time. So that that's one thing that's inherently built into our school. And, and that's not unique to our school. I think a lot of schools like ours are like that. I mean, but I think for our program in general, I think that, um, you know, our facilities are, are, are second to none. Um, you know, we, we have a brand new on campus arena for not brand new. Sorry. It's, this is our fourth season in it, but it's relatively brand new. Um, you know, our weight room is, is, is 
world class. Uh, the Gary Roberts Performance Program uses our facility all summer long mm-hmm. for for his athletes. So you know the likes of Connor McDavid, Stephen Stamkos, and Mark Scheifele are here all summer. They use our locker room and, and weight room and and all of our other athletic facilities to, to prepare themselves to be. You know, those three guys are amongst the top ten players in the entire NHL. So you know, yeah. our, so our facilities are preparing them for for that. Uh, during their their professional season, so I think that speaks volumes as to you know how good our facilities are. So that's one thing for sure. Um, you know, I think you as you mentioned, we play uh, a ton of games in the United States. We've actually been to Europe the last couple of years to play as well, and and I think that um, so building a schedule that kind of gets our players a ton of different exposure, whether it's through the OHL teams that have drafted them, like. Uh, you know, 90% of my players have all been drafted by OHL teams and, and some choose, like we have four grade 12 boys who are in the OHL this year. One of them happens to be the top rookie scorer in the league. And, um, and, you know, we take a lot of pride in that too. Yes, we're an educational institution, but that boy's in the OHL, you know, uh, still going to school and, and playing at a high level. And, and uh, if he decides that hockey's not going to work out, then he's got an education package through them as well. That's going to get there. So, you know, I, we just want our kids to feel like they're moving forward and, and have all their bases covered. And whether that's through the NCAA or through the OHL, then, you know, that's not my decision to make. That's the kid's decision to make. Um, you know, on average, most of our guys are choosing to be NCAA players because they see that that's the, the right play for them. It's the longer play. Um, and most of our guys are guys who are late developers and, and need that time. Um, where some of the kids, um, you know, are ready to make that jump at, you know, 16, 17, 18. Um, but most are not. And, and, uh, so I think our facility, I think our schedule gives our, our guys a lot of exposure to, to what is out there. You know, we get seen, you know, there's, what, 69 uh, Division One college programs in the U.S. I would say any given year, I would say we probably, one of the coaches from those programs, I say, you know, three quarters of them actually lay eyes on our kids in a game setting um, or more. Um, so that's a huge advantage for our players. Um, you know, traveling to, to Minnesota or to Boston or upstate New York is a, is a, is big for our guys to be on in front of those coaches, you know, constantly. Um, and I think it's played a bit of a different uh, advantage for us too recently. We had two players drafted to the NHL last year from our team. Um, and one of the, you know, the pieces of feedback I get from some of the NHL people is that, you know, some of our kids have a bit of an advantage because, you know, because we're moving around so much to play games and playing here locally in Ontario is that, you know, let's say the staff of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they, I mean, they have scouts in Minnesota, they have scouts in Toronto, they have scouts in the Boston area and upstate New York and all over North America. So we get seen, you know, if they have 10 scouts, you know, area scouts, uh, we probably get seen by eight or 10 of those scouts, you know, or a good percentage of their people around North America. And so when they get to the draft table, our guys have, you know, get the benefit of the doubt if they're liked by a team, by a good chunk of the, the scouts that are there, rather than, you know, being stuck in one location and one guy getting to see you who may or may not like you as a player. So that that's not, you know, that wasn't by design. That's just one of those things that's kind of happened uh, for some of our guys who, you know, are of NHL draft quality. And, uh, you know, we've had players on the draft list for the last five years. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we take a lot of pride in that because a lot of those guys are, our late major junior draft picks. Like the two kids who got drafted to the NHL last year were one was the sixth round pick in the queue and the other was a 10th uh, a round pick in the OHL. And they both end up getting drafted in a way bigger draft in higher rounds than where they went in their major junior draft. So, you know, that's a factor of hopefully we've created an environment that enables them to do the things that they need to do to, to, to get there. So, 
so I think that exposure wise has been really good. Um, you know, uh, you know, we're on the ice every day for a couple hours. Uh, you know, we have, as I said, the, the great world-class uh, strength and conditioning facility with a full-time strength and conditioning coach. We have a skating coach by the name of Paul Martini, who uh, is a world champion figure skater and his, mm-hmm. with his, with his partner, Barbara Underhill, who is the skating coach of the Leafs. Um, I worked with both of those. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're really, really, really good. Yeah, Paul's great. I mean, his his son graduated from the school in 2007 and went on to play at Niagara University in, in upstate New York. And, and so Paul knows the school. So that's that's positive for us. He gets the daily, you know, schedule of the kids and understands that, like, you know, where he needs to fit in terms of their, their um, you know, their daily, you know, pace and whatnot. So um, so he's been great. I mean, we're you know, a lot of this is happenstance, like, one of our teachers who who coaches our U16 hockey team uh, works with Hockey Canada in the mental skills uh, area. So, you know, we have a mental skills professional guy who works with Hockey Canada national teams that works with our players. And, and so, um, you know, he's a teacher at our school and a coach. And so that's a huge advantage for us, I believe. And I think that, you know, um, he works with the group uh, in general, does sessions with the, the entire group. But it's also there's a sounding board who's not a coach to be able to bounce ideas off for every individual players who need a little bit more uh, attention to kind of battle through some uh, mental things that go on, uh, you know, uh, in their lives, not just as hockey players, but it could be as students and as, um, as people in general. So, so I think that's the thing. I think we've been able to put together a number of layers and create this environment around our players that um, hopefully is, is a catalyst to them finding that fire that we talked about inside. And, and, uh, and some, come to that and some don't and that's okay and at the end of the day i think the core thing is that we want the kids to enjoy the experience and i'll draw back to you know my philosophy as a coach is that we're trying to create problem solvers as players so like you know stylistically as a team like um you know like one of the things that i you know I'm okay with it. I notice as a team and I, you know, when you watch higher levels of hockey, you don't see a whole lot of this, but like transition wise in the neutral zone, for instance, like we probably passed the puck backwards more than any team uh, that I've seen. And we went to Europe a couple of years ago and, and the last couple of years, as I mentioned, then, you know, I was in, interested to see the some of the styles and the way they play. And, you know, people tell you, you know, you're going to have trouble with the European style and whatnot. And to be fair, like um, we had no problems. We had no issues. We, we, we tend to play a little bit more of a skillful, you know, puck moving, keeping the puck style as opposed to, you know, a traditional maybe Canadian, you know, uh, chip chase, chase the puck around the ice yeah, and physically, yeah. physically play. So, so again, th- that doesn't mean I'm not a believer in hard work and, and, you know, being physically on it and things like that. But I just think that, um, you know, trying to, to think about the game um, in a bit of a different way and, and help our kids solve problems. Like for me, you know, obviously uh, chipping the puck into or dumping the puck in is a last resort for our players. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, there may be instances where we turn pucks over at a decently uh, higher rate than some other teams. But I think, you know, when we're on it and when we're, it's going well, um, you can see our players are finding ways to, you know, push defensemen back and like they can't make a play and protect the puck and wait for help. And, and, and they're, and they're, and the, the people who are receiving the pucks are getting in the area. So I think that environment has helped our players have success at the next level. Um, you know, I think that we're not coaching a system per se. We're trying to coach kind of a mentality and uh, an ability to solve problems. Like, as I said earlier, when it comes to boxing kids in, I just I just don't think it's my job to to coach too many you know absolutes for these kids, right? We we keep it all very open ended, and a lot of it's just grounded in you know we have the puck, we'd like to keep it, 
And when we don't have it, we want to work our hardest to get it back. And that's, you know, that's kind of the philosophy. And it's uh, very simplistic, but at the end of the day, it it, uh, uh, it seems to work for us. Right. And I think that, you know, a lot of your experiences as in soccer probably have helped shape that because, you know, the more and more I'm learning about tactics and, and like how teams play and, and the more I study uh, soccer, I mean, I grew up loving soccer. So I, I, I love all the tactics that, tactics of soccer and the build-up and and the plays and you know you can watch over the last 10 years how you know spain has dominated uh on the international stage or you have like fc you know barcelona or uh real madrid they're they're dominating with possession and they're they're using the uh the the triangles all over the field to two-on-one or three-on-one opponents and they're moving and they're creating space and other guys are moving to to create some space for other players and how, how much of the, the, do you use that kind of stuff in, in preparation for your, you know, like tactics? I, I believe that that's a tactic, you know, like when you, you control the puck, you bring it back. It's, it's a game of territory. Uh, hockey is too. And if you could possess the puck a little bit more and use that to create more offensive chances, sometimes, you know, you want to, you want to have a buildup, but then it does, you know, the other team does a good job. So you kind of want to take it back a little bit and then start again. Like how much of that, you, would you attribute to your soccer background? Oh, I think a ton of it. I think that, um, you know, I think hockey coaching, and as I said, I think it's maybe this is more uh, North American specific, is is far too, um, like, for instance, I, you know, spacing is a big thing for me. I mean, you want to keep possession. Like, you, know, you can't be on top of one another, and you have to have, you know, you have to be in the gaps of the defense. And I, these aren't things like, I think, in Canada, and when I talk to parents and you talk to coaches, and, and I think that the, the notion that, you know, this term called hockey sense and the fact that, you know, a lot of people will say that, you know, you can't teach it. And I, I fundamentally disagree with that. I 100% think, agree. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, the term hockey sense is really spatial awareness. It's the yes. it's, it's timing. It's, it's the way you, it's your vision. It's the way you see it. And those things can be taught. Like, I think that, you know, when we get kids coming out of minor hockey into our team, we literally spend the first month of practice working on timing, spacing, and controlling space. Like, and, 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 you know, a small example, like, you know, we're trying to break out and a team's aggressive and they're locking off, you know, the strong side and the weak side wall. And, and, you know, a centerman, if, if he doesn't have good control of space and time, he's going to not be in a good position to receive pucks from defensemen. So the more the kids learn, like, Here's, you know, there's a defender here and the, the angle of a guy pressing on the defender is, or the defenseman is this, where do I need to be to optimize the ability for me to receive the puck? And I don't think, and those, those are like, that's, that's a skill. That's a, that's a, the ability to think and problem solve. And, and I think that by teaching kids and doing unopposed drills where there's no problem solving, there's no decision-making or really disservicing the kids because, mm-hmm. you know, we can work on five on all breakouts all day long, but the last I checked, there's five guys out there defending you when, you, when it comes to, to turn to a breakout. And, you know, the option could be a quick up to the strong side or it could be a D to D and up or it could be to the middle or whatever the options may be. Um, but if a kid goes in thinking that we break out to the strong side every time, well, uh, you know, what happens if they start locking off the strong side? You know, that kid's going to, his brain's going to go in overload and he's going to turn the puck over and then you're going to be mad at him and he's going to be upset and his parents are going to be upset. So I just tend to take the approach that like, 
you know, a lot of things we do are very dynamic and chaotic, but the game is chaotic. Like Mm -hmm. the the game is, you know, there's, there's six players per team. There's four referees out there. There's boards, you know, you're moving really fast. Like that's the inherent nature of hockey. It's going to be chaotic and crazy. And, and so our practices reflect that and, and, uh, and they're competitive and, but they're, they're chaotic. And, and a lot of it is kids have to make decisions on the fly. So, so I think that, my soccer background has definitely been a part of that. And I've taken a real keen interest in how rugby coaches work these days. Cause I mm-hmm. think that rugby and hockey, I think one of the things about rugby that I really, uh, really interests me is that, you know, for me, uh, rugby is the ultimate team game. I mean, you're, you're passing the ball backwards to go forwards. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the only way to do that is to cooperate with your teammates. If you can't cooperate and control space and, and, and your timing isn't on, then you're not going to be able to do it properly. And so, I, I've and I think that hockey that's an underused like you know when you watch the NHL now like the amount of long stretch pass chip and chase the puck in you know um, it's crazy you know it's it, there's yeah. no there's really there's no transition in hockey anymore typically now you know you watch an NHL game teams turn over the puck uh, they retreat and change the other team goes behind the net they change and then they look to play a long play and then it's you know if they're able to sustain some off- offense off the long play great but it's kind of a you know, a zone to zone. There's no real yeah. transition, and and so that's tough to watch. And and, and I find me, the game really boring, actually, right now. To be honest with you, at that yeah. level, I find it pretty boring, and it's just so. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I just want to like. I just no. I agree. You, you I got agree. me. I just, but it's just, it's just like it's so robotic that you know, like it. It's hard to, it's hard to, to really feel that passion, and you can. It's it feels like it's a little bit lackluster. You know, like it's just very. You know, get the puck, go straight, chip it, go forecheck or go change or like just like you said, right? And I like the, you know, the creativity aspect that you're you guys are teaching there. And you know, like I, you know, I've seen the the practices you run and and the drills you do, and they're very uh, they're very progressive. And when you're talking about like creating, you know, hockey IQ, I I'm very very, I mean, this is what this whole shifted program is about: is building yep. hockey IQ and uh, like I'm very much uh, a pro believer of of you can build your hockey IQ, like you said, and and I, you know, I have the three pillars I like to call them. Like you have your physical skills, your your, you know, like you can you know, your conditioning. You have your sports specific skills, which would be like you know any skill that you have, shooting, passing, all that, and then you have your mental skills, which is being creative. It's not just about mentally tough. It's about being creative. It's about understanding how to think uh you know creatively and and quickly and on your feet and then also about being mentally tough so i mean those things are super super important and when when you talk about your your practices and your drills and you know like the the small area games that you guys are are doing and and using the you know like maybe you know can you touch on some of the things that you guys might incorporate yeah i mean um we're using multiple nets We're we're trying to kind of replicate situations in the game. Um, you know, most everything we do involves some type of transition. So like, yeah, most times I would say like 75% of the things we do, like the, the, the exercise will continue. It's like continuous and it keeps moving. So you will go from defending to attacking and then, you know, your, your rep or whatever is not done until you perform some other tasks like everything. So, you know, I think that that, moment of transition in a game like hockey is important like you know the 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 window of time between getting the puck and creating offense or losing the puck and defending 
you know, the team that generally does a better job of that is, is the team that's, you know, going to win the game. And so everything we do, you know, for the most part, is tries to build that into it for sure. Um, you know, we'll use, you know, little parts of the ice, big parts of the ice. So, for instance, you know, it's tough to visualize on, on in this format. But, you know, if we're working on our neutral zone transition, um, you know, we'll play. We'll move the nets, say, just inside, uh, you know, just inside the zones into the neutral zone. So the neutral zone itself becomes kind of the playing area. And the nets are moved up kind of just on the top of the circle area in the zones. And we'll throw a couple defensemen behind the net on each end. And those are kind of support players for the three-on-three that's happening in the neutral zone. And so, you know, when the puck gets turned over, a team wins it defensively. Instead of trying to attack right away, they actually go backwards to the two guys that are behind their own net. And they have to go back and transition and regroup with those three defenders, you know, pressuring them. And then they, you know either successfully transition and get the puck moving forward, and then they can create an opportunity. So, you know, a little game. So, you know, in the matter of, of uh, you know, a 30-second shift, you know, we're creating, um, you know, six, seven regroup opportunities with pressure for our players that they have to kind of read what's in front of them rather than, you know, a lot of the static kind of very similar drills that, you know, you and I probably did as kids where, yeah. you know, there's no pressure and, and we're working on, a specific thing in terms of our neutral zone, uh, you know, uh, transition or breakouts. And then so I find, and the other part is, is that for years, you know, we, we lamented as coaches, like the kids are going through the motions and we're not getting enough out of them and they need to be more competitive. And then, so what we do in practice actually is we score everything. So all of those games we do, we actually score them. So we track who's on the ice for the goals uh, for and against. We, we um, you know, track who gets the goals. You know, we also track bonus points. So, for instance, like the focus of a practice may be back pressure. And, and so, you know, uh, we'll give a point to a kid, a bonus point to a kid who kind of back pressures from behind and strips the puck from somebody. So we scored all the kind of inherently built-in competition. We post the standings in our locker room. And, and, uh, and all of those little small-sided activities – create an environment that's highly competitive and the kids are you know we haven't conditioned and you know or quote-unquote bag skated our players in seven years um because we don't need to we haven't done it once and um because our guys are gassed at the end of practice because everything we do is high tempo they're problem solving it's competitive it's physical it's the it's the game of hockey and uh and they're getting conditioned while playing the game of hockey as opposed to you know, lining up on a goal line and, and stopping and starting and doing all those different yeah, things. So I think that's a, I think that's kind of, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm going to be very honest here. The, uh, I think it's, it's kind of like a cop out for the coaches to, to like condition their players when they think maybe that, you know, when it's kind of on them to make practice a little more, you know, get the, let the players get more out of it, to be honest with you. And I've seen, the first time I was really uh, involved in something progressive like this was I was coached by Guy Boucher. I was 24 uh, in, in Hamilton in Tampa. And then, you know, yep. John, John Cooper, you know, had a very similar mentality and he was, he liked to be progressive with things uh, as well. But, you know, those, those kind of coaches, they really opened my eyes to what a practice should be like. And like the drills that we were doing were, they were a little bit outside the box and they made you think critically and, and, like the teams were, were really, really, really good. And we, 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 we dominated play and possession and, and shots and chances and Corsi and all this stuff. But what we were really focused on was we weren't focused on that stuff. We were focused on, you know, being creative and, and like executing on, you know, when you have your chance, take it. And then, you know, we, we use the one, three, one and, 
and like the way it was designed was was so smart and it was all designed like people think the 131 was designed for uh defensive schemes but it's actually designed to be a really quick transition thing and to get offensive chances so i mean the the 131 has uh, a lot of potential and but it's also you know very misunderstood And, and coaches that try to mimic it they don't really understand the whole philosophy and i was very lucky that i was able to be coached by Guy, and he kind of like you know brought that you know to the game and, and started using it but uh yeah like the, the drills we used to do was all thinking critically and uh you know like passing and one touch passing and, and trying to move to create space and then having to hustle over to create space and then the best part about it was you know at the end of every drill he would you know they would blow the whistle and we'd either you know go board to board two times or just to keep our you know like our or conditioning, not conditioning, just to keep your, your mind kind of like, okay, I got to do this. When you're tired, then you have to go and think again to do the, to do the practice and, and yep. the yeah. particular skill. Right. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that that's, as I said, there were, and, and we've discovered that um, the kids love it. Like, you know, they want to play like, and, and a lot of the time too, like, if it becomes too structured, they, like I said, they, they, as we said, they're not as creative. They can't think, they can't solve problems. So, you know, because of the chaotic nature, like they're, they have to be creative to solve the problems and, 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 and they enjoy it. Like kids are inherently competitive. Like most kids, I would say in my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you are keeping score and there's a red team versus a white team or whatever the colors may be, um, you know, we, and we don't even share the score with the kids. Like until we post the standings, like they don't know the score of the individual game, but they, <laughs> but they but they know they want to score in their shift. They want to win their shift. And then, you know, they go to the bench. Like they know the difference. Like we lost that shift two to one. And, and I got a bonus point here. They'll, like, they'll know the difference. And then mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be confirmed when they see the standings on a Monday when we post them. And, and, and again, the other, the other offshoot of this is that, you know, there's a huge correlation between, you know, and, and in a good and a bad way, you know, the kids who are at the top of the standings in, in practice are our best players. Mm-hmm. And the kids who don't practice well, um, you know, tend to have or tend to be more inconsistent than be players that aren't. Um, and it just reinforces, like, the kids who aren't good practice players aren't at the top of those standings. And, and that becomes a real motivator. And some kids are never going to get to the top of those standings. Like, we're going to have, you know, a lumbering defenseman who is, you know, not a skilled offensive guy. But his first place, maybe, you know, being in the middle of the group, being number 10. And, and so, you know, the other part is hopefully it's motivating kids to kind of to push their envelope a little bit more. So, yeah, that, that's, that's soccer's uh, back to the original point. I think my soccer experience and pulling stuff from other sports um, has definitely, like our practices are unlike probably any hockey practice, um, at least that I've participated in as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would harbor to guess if I were, and, and the kids probably would echo this is that, you know, when a kid comes to us from minor hockey, it's definitely unlike any practice that they've been a part of until they get here. And maybe when they move on, I, I think I would say so. For um, sure. For yeah. sure. I, I've seen, I've seen some of the practices and I've seen some of the kids you have and they, they say the same things. I mean, this is, this is really a great chat. I mean, it's really eye opening for, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, hopefully the listeners are really getting, uh, some good, I mean, they, I know they are getting a lot of good, valuable knowledge from you and, and like a lot of perspective. And, and I think this is really, really good And for all the coaches that will be listening to this. I mean, I think it's really, really important to understand that 
you know, the responsibility falls on your shoulders for creating a good environment for the kids to learn in. And that's something that, you know, when we talk about accountability, that's it's on the coach as well to be accountable to himself so that he's putting the kids in the proper position. And then, you know, when you talk about competitiveness and practice, it's on the kids to, you know, push their limits each and every day and, and bring their, whatever their best is for that particular day, bring that and the right attitude will usually allow you to get into that, uh, that zone, I would say. And I think it's great that you guys are keeping score and they're getting to be competitive in practice because a lot of the times I've seen over the years when, you know, when you don't play on good teams, you can definitely see why and, and the practice habits of some guys are, you know, when they're questionable, it, it can definitely lead to, you know, bad in-game performance. And then, you know, they're sitting there wondering why this is happening to them. And they get to like, you know, they're blaming other people when really they should just take a look at themselves in the mirror and say, okay, what am I doing in this situation? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that, uh, um, you know, kids have to be accountable or players in general need to be accountable to themselves. Like, yeah, that's as we, one thing for sure. Yeah. As we talked about earlier, like it's, it, it's an internal thing and, and, and your practice habits and how you live or that's all within their control. And that's why I, I struggle with that as a coach. Like we've created a really good environment here, but sometimes I struggle with like, is it too much? Like what's the line of like, at some point the kids got to get after it. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely a line where, you know, you got to pull back in some instances to say, like, this is where they got to take over. And, and, you know, I can't micromanage everything that they do. It's, a lot of this has to be on them. So, um, you know, that, that's a constant battle and a constant uh, evaluation on our part to figure out what that where, where that line is. And, and uh, but I think it's important for the kids to own it. And, and if they don't, then, you know, it, it becomes, uh, you know, becomes on them. And that's that's important. So, yeah, I, I think that hopefully people have been able to. Um, again, from my small lens and my bit of experience, I think that uh, everyone's experience is unique. And, and, and for me, um, you know, what we do really works for us. And, and uh, I have, I'm very passionate about how we do things. And I think, you know, uh, for the kids that we have, it's, it's going really well. And, and, and uh, um, I think at the end of the day, I think you're right. Coaches have to be like uh, any coach who coaches minor hockey and, and some can reflect on their, their education background. But I think at the end of the day, you're an educator. And mm-hmm. I think the coach, coach and educator and teacher, they're all very inter- interchangeable words. And so if you're not forcing your players to, and you're not creating a learning environment in your athletic practices, I would argue that, you know, that it, it's becoming more about the coach rather than the learner. And, and so treating the players as, as learners as opposed to just, you know, cogs in a system um, is important. And I think that, that I would challenge any coach to rethink their, their, their approach to things. If that's not the case, if they're not doing it that way. And, and, uh, um, I think at the end of the day, you know, you have to pull back and be more focused on what that process is as opposed to, you know, the immediate success in a game or, or a season and whatnot. And then I think that draws back to the professionalism being pushed, pushed down lower and lower. Um, you know, if we're treating this as a professional endeavor for 12 year old kids, then, the pressure on the kids, the pressure on the coaches, the pressure from the parents and on the parents is going to be about the immediate success. And, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, I just, I have a four month old boy and, <laughs> and a two year old daughter. And then, then, you know, I'd love for them to, to be uh, athletic and I hope they choose to do so. And, and, but I, I actually am worried about 
you know, and I prefer not to coach them to be quite honest with you, because I think it's, uh, it's their sporting experience. I want them mm-hmm. to have that experience on their own, not like share that with them. I'll share it with them as a cheerleader and as a, a support person. Yeah, yeah. But I, but, and again, I think inevitably, I just think I'm going to probably end up coaching them because I have that experience and I'll probably be, you know, thrust into that position somehow. And, and, uh, but, uh, I really hope that, um, you know, their experience and what they go through would be one that, you know, their coaches stress to them to, 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 to be learners and, and learn the game and, and learn to love it or learn to hate it, whatever it may be. But, you know, it, they, they have to own that experience on their own. I agree. I think that, you know, I think I'd rather not coach my own kids too. I think it's, uh, it's their experience. Like you say, I think it's a hundred percent, right? Like it's their yeah. experience. You want and, them to experience it. And I think my philosophy, like, I don't think I'd last in minor hockey to be quite honest with you. But, uh, I think, you know, I, I would be taking the longer approach and parents, you know, um, you know, obviously success makes a lot of problems go away, but, um, you know, I just think when you're dealing with kids, there's so much stuff that's out of your control and they're not yeah. little mini, mini professionals. So I don't think I'd survive uh, too long in the minor hockey world here in Canada and specifically, cool. uh, the, the, the greater Toronto area. Yeah. Well, I think it's, that, that topic right there, I mean, we can save that for another time, but a little bit on it, like it's, it's kind of one of the main reasons why I, I started at least with this, uh, with this program is because I think that, you know, the accountability from kids to themselves has to be facilitated so that they can learn as individuals, but also to let parents know that, uh, you know, their role is, isn't always to be like, you need to do this, you need to do that. Like, I think their role when it comes to athletics, it needs to happen sometimes like, Hey, you know, you should do this, but most of the time, like they got to be in the kid's corner and they got to be, you know, just telling them, Hey, listen, like you were, you know, I'm happy to watch you play and, you know, I want them to, to do well. And, you know, sometimes they have to you know lay down the law and say, Hey, listen, you know, it just wasn't good enough. Your effort wasn't there today. It's not so much about the tactics and like, Hey, you didn't score three goals. That doesn't matter. You know, as a parent, you should be more concerned with, um, you know, you, you weren't, you weren't uh, giving your effort out there. You know, you were, you were showing bad body language or, or things like that. Where, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. The intangible things are much, yeah. that's, what, that's where parents have to come in. Like make sure the kid's on time, make sure he mm-hmm. works hard, make sure he's a good teammate, make sure he's coachable. The rest of it, you know, like I, I feel bad to be fair. Like I deal with a lot of parents in, in the education side of things. And because mm-hmm. the, the amount of pressure that kids are under and they're going to reflect their kids are going to be 22 years old. and They're going to be off in the working world, not playing sport anymore. And they're not going to remember any of it. They're not going to remember enjoy. Like I think they think they would have, but like, like no, just the act, the actual joy of just watching your kid out there doing things. And and, and I think that um, for me, that's what parents need to just take a step back. And I think a lot of it is fueled by kind of that race to the bottom and, and yeah. the, the fear of missing out. And and oh yeah, and, and then you know you see it, it's no you know no coincidence that you know you see anxiety levels and mental health and. And kids are under yeah. stress and, and kids inherently haven't changed from, you know, my parents' generation, your parents' generation, you know, it's just the expectations on them have changed yeah. from the, from the adults. And like, you know, biologically kids are the same, right. And like, you know, they've evolved, I would say a little bit over the last 50, 50 years, but not by much. And, and so kids are the same and it's just their, their environment has changed. And because of that, we're, we're seeing some of the things that we see these days. And so, um, that's tough. I mean, parents, and again, as I said before about coaches creating an environment that is, uh, um, 
you know, too professional at the young age. I think it comes from a good place. Like parents, yeah. at the end of the day, it comes from a good place. And that's the challenge when you're dealing with parents because at the end of the day, they only want what's best for their kids. Yes, but, yes, but, exactly. I, but, but unfortunately, I just don't think they know the difference. And that's, that's, uh, and that's a hard thing to say to somebody because now I'm expecting them to value my opinion over theirs mm-hmm. when it's their kid. But, um, you know, I think when you take a step back and logically look at all the data that's out there and all the experiences they're going to have, I think that, you know, um, you know, taking an approach that, you know, the experience and the process and, and uh, as far outweighs, you know, a lot of the other trivial things that parents and kids worry about, um, you know, it goes to show that, you know, if most of these kids aren't going to make a living playing this sport. And uh, if, if that's the only aim that you're, you're going to miss out on all the other, you know, beneficial things that come out of it. Well, like a parent's most important role is to protect your kid. And, and to me, like if, I, if I'm looking back at this, and if I'm looking at this, you know, without having, you know, any, you know, feeling towards one way or the other, you know, if a kid, if their expectation of their kid is they're going to make the NHL, well, it's a very, very small percentage of people that will do that, right? And there's a lot of other oh, ways, right? So if if that's their expectation, and then the kid goes through minor hockey and then they get to, you know, wherever they get to and they don't make it there, eventually there's going to come a day where the kid is going to be upset and they're going to think, man, I didn't make it. I let my parents down. And then, but they need someone in that moment to be like, Hey, it's okay. And how can they possibly look at their parents and say like, and feel like, you know, they're, they're there for them when the parents had so much expectation that, that they had to make it, they had to make it, you know, this and that. And then, you know, that's when, bad emotions start to happen between parent and kid. And this is a place that the conversation doesn't happen enough, but this is a place where a lot of people don't want to go because it's actually real. It's just a real thing. It's a real feeling. And uh, parents really, really need to be cognizant of that because that's, it's such an important role and they need to be the ones that at the end of the kid's career, whenever that day comes, they need to be like, Hey, listen, you gave it everything you had. I'm proud of you. Like, that's what a parent needs to do. You know, like that, that's, that's my, yeah. On it. yeah, we're, we're talking about some big issues here. And I think, uh, you know, I think things always come around and change and, and I'm, I'm noticing, you know, change for the positive. I think kids are understanding our families and the research is showing about multi-sports. So a lot of this comes from, you know, just monetizing a kid's uh-huh. sporting experience. And I think a lot of it is, is coming back around to realize that, you know, kids don't need to just play one sport and their parents don't need to put as much pressure on them. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to that stuff. So I'm, I'm noticing those trends. I just hope they continue to move in that direction. And, and, uh, and we put what's important really at the center of it. And that's the enjoyment of the experience for the kids. And, and um, yeah, I, I think that that's important. For sure. So, you know, we've had a, a long chat and I know that you're, you're definitely a busy person. You have a lot of things on the go. Um, just in, I guess in our, Closing up here, um, yep. where can, you know, so you guys, you guys play in, in an interesting sort of league and you guys travel to the U S um, yep. just touch on that really quick. Uh, you know, how that all works so that people can start to understand a little bit about that. Yeah. We play in a local league with a number of independent schools here in the Toronto area and one school from Buffalo. Um, it's called the CIS double um, And that constitutes, we play about 60 games in a season. So that's about uh you know, small fraction to be fair. It's about fifteen games of the of the sixty, and we supplement that by traveling all over North America. And as I said, the last couple of years we've gone to Europe in the late summer to find the best competition we possibly can. So, 
So it's a combination of our league play, and then you know we construct the schedule to basically find the best competition we can. So you know we're playing Shattuck St. Mary's and uh, Culver Military Academy, who are the number one team in the U.S. this year at uh, the U18 level. Uh, you know Northwood School from uh, Lake Placid, and then a collection of schools that are in the uh, in the Boston area in New England. Um, you know, there's a high concentration of good hockey school hockey programs down there. Now we don't limit ourselves just to school programs. We also play, uh, American U18 teams as well. So, um, so yeah, we put together a bit of a unique schedule that, you know, we're just basically trying to find the best competition we, we can. And, uh, that's a moving target every year based off of, uh, you know, uh, our school schedule and when the season starts and all that different stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely unique. And as I said, it, it provides a number of advantages for our guys, um, for exposure wise and uh, to, to, to colleges at the division one and three level. And then, then uh, also for their OHL teams that have drafted them and, and for junior A programs in, in Canada. And then, uh, and ultimately, you know, for some of them uh, for NHL teams. Right. That's a lot of different exposure. That's, that's amazing. So like people yeah. that are listening uh, that want to get in contact with either you or the school, where can they find you guys either on social media or like the website or something? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably the easiest jump off point will get, will get you get us on Twitter. Our, our Twitter account is at SAC Hockey. Um, from there, you'll be able to find our website or you know YouTube channel. Um, get to the school website. Um, you know, the school website is uh, sac.on.ca, um, and um, yeah, pretty much all the contact info for myself uh, will be there. The team's information in terms of schedule and statistics and all that different stuff will be found there, and and uh, kind of give you a quick snapshot of of uh, you know, digitally of, of what we're doing. Um, and as I said, we're in Aurora. So, you know, anyone who's local, who's listening to this, uh, to, to the, you know, the Ontario or the, the greater Toronto area, um, you know, we're, we're pretty centrally located to kind of everywhere down here. And then, uh, you know, you can get up to see us play uh, if you're able to. So, um, so yeah. That's, uh, that's great. That's awesome. So make sure you're going over to uh, check them out on Twitter and then you'll be able to find out all the other places to, to find them. So, um, yeah, David, I, I really, really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, your thoughts and insights and perspectives have been amazing. Like I, I really, really appreciate all that, uh, you know, you're, you're doing for, for the, for the game of hockey because, you know, you're an educator and you're a teacher, but you're also creating culture for hockey and, um, what you're doing is really uh, is really great and invaluable, um, I believe. And you know, you guys are running a really world class program uh, over there. And, and I'm I'm glad that I've gotten to know you over the last few years and you know the program. And I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And you know that I just uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks for that. Well, I appreciate the time. I mean, it's always uh, fun talking about this stuff. It's a real passion for me and and. Uh... And equally, I think the things that you guys are doing uh, uh, in terms of trying to connect kids to, you know, uh, self-evaluate with, you know, with the guidance of, you know, professional people, I think is important. I think that uh, any advantage kids can have to to do this on, you know, to, to own it themselves, I think that's important. I think any opportunity they can get to to be to self-evaluate and look at themselves and, and gain an advantage is going to help them at the end of the day, find that passion or find passion for something else. Because if they realize that this is not their thing, they're, they're going to go somewhere else and find their passion. So I think what you guys are doing is really unique. And, and uh, I think you're poised to, to, to do even greater things moving forward. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, we'd love to have you on again because uh, from, 
just from the conversation we've had, I think we can continue on for long periods of time. And I think that the listeners will enjoy this episode. So, uh, yeah, we will uh, definitely get you on the show again uh, if you're able to or willing to. Anytime. I think uh, if, um, you know, my two young children allow and my wife allows <laughs> and she's allowed some time. I, have, I also have to work and coach hockey at the same time. But, yeah, I'd love to come back anytime that you feel that uh, is appropriate. So uh, thanks. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Well, say hello to the family and uh, all the best for the rest of the season. And guys, make sure you guys go and check them out and follow them along on their, on their path this season. So thanks again, Dave, for being a part of the show. Thanks very much. All the best. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, David, for being on the show. Today was a really, really good episode. And I am just floored by the perspective that he was able to offer to all of our listeners and to myself, um, the progressiveness uh, with which he speaks when he's talking about different sports being translated into hockey and, and creating your creativity uh, through the use of other sports and being well-rounded are some of the core values to what Shifted uh, is trying to do. So we really, really appreciate those perspectives and getting those out in the open. I think that all the listeners, whether you're a parent, a player, a coach, or anybody just a fan of hockey, will get a tremendous amount of value from this conversation we were able to have today. And truthfully, I got a lot of value out of speaking with him today because there's just so many different things you can learn from someone like David. Um, the program that they're running at SAC, uh, St. Andrews College, is really world-class and if you ever get a chance to go and check out their facilities it's uh, truly remarkable and you can see why uh, that program does so well because they make sure to take care of their own things and they cultivate a great atmosphere and a great learning environment for all the students and the staff that are at that school so thanks again David for being part of the show today if you liked today's episode, uh, which I did, uh, please share it and let other people know that it was a good episode and the, hopefully that they can get some value out of it as well. Um, please leave us a rating on iTunes. That would be super, super helpful as it will help other people see this episode as well. Thanks again, guys, for listening. We really, really appreciate your ears and we are hopeful that we will continue to provide you guys value as we continue along this journey. And thanks again for being part of the Shifted family because we know that your day is full of a lot of different things and people get busy, but we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our, our show. So thanks again.